I want to preach a message entitled in this first sermon series of A.D. I want to preach a message entitled The Resurrection and the Life. We are here on Easter Sunday morning. It is the day that we celebrate wonderful new beginnings. It is a time of year, especially as some years, you know, uh, we can kind of happen. It happens that Easter falls somewhere at the end of March. We're here now at the first Sunday of April. It changes each year, but the weather's getting a little better. Things are starting to bud on the trees. Things are looking different. They're looking new. It is. We finally have come out of a winter where we had to shovel a lot of snow. We had cold. We had all of those things. And you begin to feel like you can breathe a little bit more. But it could be that in your life today that you are finding in your situation the season changing, the time of year does not change what's happening in your heart. It's not changing what's going on deep down on the inside. There is a restlessness. There is a sense of hopelessness. There is a feeling that maybe somehow you won't be able to make it. And I am here to tell you today that Easter is all about you making it. That the message of Easter, the message of the resurrection, is about you having life. And the Bible says, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. How many of you like happy endings? You like, you like stories with happy endings? Yeah, we all do. I, I, I like stories with happy endings. I don't like tragedies. I'm not interested in, uh, and, and even if a particular show or movie ends with a cliffhanger, I'm sitting there saying, no! I, I like a resolution. And I don't like when in the resolution the bad guy wins. I, I don't, I'm not interested in that. I want the good guys to win, whoever the good guys are. I want that to be that way. I want to have a story told that will end the way that we all sort of feel like it should end. And yet there are those of you here today who are approaching your life, feeling in your heart, deep down on the inside, there is not going to be any kind of happy ending for my situation, for my life. There is a story in the Bible, John chapter 11, John chapter 11, and the Bible says this, starting at verse 1. We're going to read a lot of this, but we're not going to read all of this. But John chapter 11, starting at verse 1, going down through to verse 6, the Bible says, and I'm reading from the New NIV, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, 
It is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, listen to this, he stayed where he was two more days. I don't know if you see something that is in stark contrast to how it should have gone, but in those last two verses, it says that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and, and, and Lazarus. At the report of hearing he's sick, he stayed where he was two more days. It is an amazing thing when you look at the story to recognize that, in fact, this household was one that was a household that when Jesus was traveling throughout Judea, when he was traveling, preaching and traveling, teaching and doing miracles, often as his physical body would be tired, he would stop off at Martha and Mary's and at Lazarus's house. They were friends of his. They were more than acquaintances. They were friends, true friends to him and not just followers of him, but true friends. And they get the report. There is first a problem. The report comes that Lazarus is sick. And brothers and sisters, all of us sitting here today recognize that the element of human weakness is prevalent in our lives. This is all today is not a good let it heal. The going through on a day that we have to take care of physical pain and days and months and people in this congregation. It's not just one of those. is difficult to human weaknesses. And God, and we wonder, don't do certain things. This is not about you being any of that. It is about faith. So in the problem, part of the temptation, Mary and Martha expected Jesus to come immediately to heal their brother. They said, We're, we got to get word to Jesus. You know, he, he's tight with us. He loves us. Maybe they had the idea that somehow he loved them more than somebody else, which is one of the sad things that can happen within Christianity. Jesus loves me more than he loves somebody else who's doing whatever they want to do, living however they want to live. And that is absolutely false. He doesn't love you more than somebody else just because you're sitting here this morning. He does not love you more than anyone else in your life simply because you have chosen to give your life to him. He doesn't love any one person more than another. That's us. That's the, that's the weakness of, of humanity. We love people more than others. We love individuals. You know, we're, we're the kind that says, well, this person treats me nice, so therefore I love them more. It's an interesting thing that Jesus did not actually teach that. Jesus taught to love those who hurt you, who spitefully use you, who go against you. That is what he taught, but they believed somehow that Jesus was going to come running. Our, our brother is sick. Lazarus is sick. They didn't understand the plan and the purpose of God. It seems that they came very close in the end to being angry with Jesus as you read down through this passage, which we will do in just a moment a little bit further on in this passage of Scripture. They came very close because their expectations were not met. Be very careful about putting your expectations of what you think God should do upon Him. 
No, I think God is the one who must give his expectations of us. Who are we to say to God, this is what I expect of you. And if you don't show up and do this, God, then I'm never going to follow you. You can choose to do that. He's given you a will, a free will. And you can choose to reject him or you can choose to follow him, but it's according to his way, not yours. It's according to his expectations, not, not your expectations. About, well, you know, God didn't show up. You know, I, I don't know how many people use the excuse, well, this one and that one in my life died of cancer and, and they believed that God was going to heal them and God didn't do it and therefore I'm not going to serve him. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, cancer will be here as long as we will be alive unless somehow medicine does not take hold and somehow find some kind of solution. I want you to know that the true test of whether or not God is God is not whether or not he heals cancer. It is whether or not he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and rise from the the grave on the third day that is the true test of whether or not he loves you and the bible says that he did that and therefore proves to you that he loves you if we aren't we aren't careful we can fall into that trap when problems come we immediately form our opinion of what god should do for us i want you to know throw those opinions aside and say lord jesus let me just walk in your ways let me walk in your will Notice verse 6 indicates that there was a divine delay. And this is the one thing we all hate, a divine delay. The Bible says he stayed where he was two more days. This purposeful, it was absolutely purposeful and planned on the part of Jesus not to immediately go to where Lazarus was, not to go and bring healing. It was planned by him, this divine delay, a delay that they didn't understand, a delay that you and I don't understand in our lives. When somehow we pray and we expect an answer, we expect God to do something great, we expect the Lord to have his way in some way and do something in our lives, and there is a delay in it all coming, and we sit back and we say, God, I don't understand it. That's what they did. But can I let you in on something God knows exactly what he's doing he knows why he's doing it and he is about to reveal his plan and his purpose in your life and how it is that he is going to work and he is going to move now the next thing that happens when there was a problem was was I believe an important thing in fact when you're encountered with a problem let me ask you this what do you do what do you do some of us get frustrated Some of us get angry. Some of us get sad. We weep. We cry. We wonder, does it all make sense? Will it all work out in the end? We sit back and we wonder. But the question is, what do you do? Here's what they did. Verse 3 says this. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. What are they doing? They're praying. You see, they didn't understand at all. They're not going to understand how Jesus is going to delay. They're not going to understand all of that. But I want you to know that when the problem came, here's what they did. They did not go to their neighbors and say, will you you help me out in this situation? They sent word to Jesus. 
And I want you to know that when you are encountered with a problem, though God may not show up when you want him to, he may not show up according to your plan, according to your timetable, the most important thing that you could ever do in your problem is pray is say, Lord, I'm coming to you and I need your help today. I need your strength. I need your power. I need your answers. But I want you to know, brothers and sisters, you've got to trust in a God who is all wise because that's what Jesus was. They sent word to Jesus. You're encountered with a problem you don't understand. You don't know what to do about. Can I tell you, send word to Jesus. Send word to Jesus. Stop trying to fill your mind with things that somehow hopefully provide you an answer. Here is the answer that you need right here. The word of Almighty God. God has a plan for your life. The problem is, is we don't want to take time to read it. We don't want to take time to get it into our hearts and our minds. But I want you to know that He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. And therefore, you can trust in Him enough to come to Him to pray. They sent word to Jesus. They prayed to the only one they believed could help in their problem. And that was Jesus. They prayed in faith. They didn't send word to anybody else. They sent it to him. And therefore, they were praying in faith. But they also prayed out of desperation. Lord, the one you love is sick. Their desperation was our brother. We live with our brother We're a family, and it seems there were no parents there. By this time, they were likely adults, but it would would seem apparent that neither Mary nor Martha were, were married. And therefore, in that society, especially, trust me, women did not work then. If you were a woman who did not work, you did not have a means of living and an income. If you were not married, you didn't have a means of living and an income. And their brother supplied that. You can imagine the desperation that these two women felt because there it seemed very apparent that their brother was, he was not, you know, it wasn't just a, you know, a little sinus infection he had. This was, this was a big deal. He was so sick, couldn't get out of bed, nothing. So it was desperate. They prayed in desperation. There are times when we have to pray in desperation. And I want you to know that that will be something that God will listen to and God will hear. You can pray out of desperation and know that God will hear you. He will hear the cry of His people. Know that when you cry out to Him in your trouble and in your difficulty, He is a God who will listen. But their prayer seemed to have this one fault. They, as I mentioned, seemed to think that Jesus loved Lazarus more than he loved anybody else. And as we've already said, that is not the case. I think they thought if they find out who is sick, then Jesus is just going to come running. But the Bible says that he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, there's something else I want you to see in this, and it is the promise that Jesus makes promise. Verse 4. The Bible says, when he heard this, Jesus said, now listen to this, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Say, I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't understand it. I can't imagine 
that in all of this, God will get any glory. It hurts. I don't like it. It's painful. It's a problem. It's beyond what I can understand. But I want you to know that there is an all-wise, all-loving God who knows exactly what you're going through in this moment, and He knows exactly how He is going to work it out. You have got to trust in Him. And I want you to listen to this promise that Jesus made to His disciples at that moment. He said, This sickness will not end in death. Do you notice that one word that is so pivotal in this story? It is the word end. We know the story of Lazarus, don't we? Death showed up and death took over. But this story did not end in death. You see, the problem of it, the promise of it not ending in death was Jesus was the one who was able to state that with absolute certainty. Nobody else. Only He could do that. Only He knows the end from the beginning of your life and in your life. And it was really to understand, especially a little bit later on, when Jesus says to His disciples, okay, it's time for us to go to Bethany. But Jesus, you know, Lazarus, he's... he's he was sick, but didn't we get word that, uh, uh, well, yeah, Jesus says this in verse 14. He said, plainly, Lazarus is dead, period. But wait, Jesus, you said it wasn't going to end in death, and now he's dead. You see, for us, it's hopeless. Death brings an element of hopelessness. And it could be that in your life, there are some things that have died in you. There are some dreams, there are some hopes, there are some expectations, there are some things in your life that have died on the inside because things have not worked out the way that you wanted them to. But can I tell you today that where Jesus is involved, there can always be hope of a resurrection because he said these words, and I'm getting ahead of myself, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet will he live. The one who is the resurrection, brothers and sisters, can invade that dead situation and bring life to you. This sickness is not going to end in death. The problem that you faced is going to have a glorious ending. A glorious ending. Only Jesus could see this. Man doesn't know how his problems can end in bringing glory to God and in the end, bring about a wonderful thing. We look at bad things and we say, well, something bad is happening right now. It's going to end badly. And that is human nature that kind of steps in in this situation. You know, Joseph in in the book of Genesis did not understand how it was all going to work out. Even when Joseph was elevated to second in command in the kingdom, he didn't quite know that he was going to have the opportunity to save his family, his entire family, from starvation in the land of Canaan. He had no idea that he was going to encounter them. He simply stepped up to what God led him to do at the moment and and caused a, a great harvest to occur so that then they had enough in storage that when the famine came in Egypt, that then people from all over that part of the world would be able to be fed. He had no idea that he was going to preserve his family in it. But when they showed up at his doorstep and they realized who he was, remember the end of the book of Genesis 
is the brothers becoming so fearful about how Joseph is going to treat them. Remember what Joseph said? You meant to harm me, but God turned this around for good. I want you to know that sometimes we don't see that in the middle of it all. Joseph didn't see it when he was sitting there in jail for a crime he did not commit. He didn't understand it all. All I know is this, is that he looked up and recognized God is in my life. He's going to help me in all of this situation. And in the end, brothers and sisters, all the glory and the honor was brought to God. Now, how can all this occur? It is through his power. Jump down to verses 25 and 20 through 27. John chapter 11, verses 25 through 27. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. By this time now in this story, we don't have the time to read it all, Lazarus is dead. And the Bible indicates he's been dead for four days. One, because Jesus delayed. He didn't come when they asked him to. And now by the time he arrives, he's been in the grave for four days. They did not have funeral directors and people who, who knew how to embalm. They put them in the tomb and he says, no, you know, we're going to go to where Lazarus is. Oh, but Jesus, wait a minute. You know, he's been in the tomb for four days. He stinks. No, we're going to go out there. Go down to verse 35, down through verse 34, 44. And the Bible says this, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? The obvious answer is yes, he could have, but he didn't. Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been dead for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I want you to know that in your problem, there is power. And the power is the presence of Jesus. If you're looking for power in some other thing, some of the other, other kind of pursuit, you will not find the power that there is in the one who says in verse 25, I am the resurrection 
and the life. If you have a problem that is greater than you, I want to help you today to understand that you can invite this person into your situation. You can invite this person into your life because he says, I am the resurrection and the life. You feel dead on the inside, then you need to invite the resurrection and the life into your moment, into your situation, and know the power of God will invade your life and give you hope that you have never had before. I want you to see the power of the person today. It is Jesus Christ and nobody else. This is one of the great I am sayings of the book of John. I am the resurrection of the life. Some of the other ones say I am the bread of life. But there is another one today that our society and our world now repels at. And it is this saying that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. You say, but pastor, that sounds very narrow. And I want you to know that the the way is in fact narrow. Jesus revealed that the way is narrow and few there are that find it. That's too confining, pastor. That's too confining. I want to just do what I want to do. You can do what you want to do. You absolutely can do that. You've been given a will, but I want you to know the only way, the only way that leads to life is the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. I I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're a little hungry, he says, I am the bread of life. I want you to know, he says, I am the living water. If you're thirsty, you can come to him and you can find help. You can find something that will fill you up and satisfy you. It is only found through Jesus Christ. There is the power of the person. There is the power of of faith in this situation. The Bible says this in verses 26. And 27, he says, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He asked this question, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. I want you to know, you may be sitting here saying, well, it's blind faith. It's blind faith. That's all it is. No, it's not. It's only blind faith if you ignore what the Bible says. It is only blind faith if you do not find out what is revealed in the pages of this book. My faith is not blind faith today. My faith is founded upon the revealed character of God and who Jesus Christ is and what He has done. That, my friend, is not blind faith. That is faith in substance. The power of faith will bring you through. The power of prayer. Jesus shows us in this moment how to pray. Oh, the, the, the sisters, do you see the kind of faith? And when you approach prayer, kind of prayer, and you can pray of the Word. Jesus, the resurrection hopelessness. In their right mind, couldn't this one? But the Bible says His power as death did not have the f- happy ending is coming. Word in that moment. The really, really all their problems and difficulties go to the grave. You power of the resurrection will rise one day. The rise to death. Because you will rise to one or the other. I want you to know today that you can have eternal life in Him. You can know that, well, I live to be 90, 95, 100 some point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. 
but you can know that even after you go, you will live again. Why? Because of the resurrection and the life. He is living within your heart. He has promised that you will have eternal life with him. I want you to know that he loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. And the Bible says this, and Paul writes in one of his epistles and says that he rose again for our justification. The resurrection, listen, every, every Christian, listen to me. If you don't have a resurrection, if there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are to be pitied. I, as a preacher of the gospel, am to be absolutely pitied. If there is no resurrection, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, we're the most pitiful bunch. But Paul says, you don't need to be pitied because he did rise from the dead. He is the resurrection and the life. And because of that, today you have hope beyond this life. Don't worry about what it's going to be like when you, you, know, you go into the box and go into the... Don't worry about all of that. Simply think about the fact that there is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. Because He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Bury your life in Him. Don't bury it in nonsense. Don't bury it in empty pursuits. Bury your life in Christ so that then you will rise once again and have life in Him. Can we stand to our feet right now? And can we give God praise for all that He has done? For all that He is. For who He is. He is the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. Lord, we magnify Your name today. We thank You for your mercy. We thank you for your grace, O oh God. You are worthy of all of the praise today, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we honor you today, O oh God. We honor you and we thank you, Lord, that you are the resurrection, you are the life. And Lord God, today our hope is in you and in you alone. In the name of Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this building right now, I would be remiss on this Easter Sunday if I did not ask you where you stand with Jesus Christ right now? Where is your heart? Have you given Him your heart? Have you given Him your life? Have you allowed Jesus to become more to you than everything else? Or is everything else to you more than Him? That really is what it boils down to, you know? Really, in the end, it is, am I going to put Him first or am I going to put myself first? Am I going to let Him be Lord of my life or is everything else Lord of my life? You have the choice today. You can make Him Lord. Say, but Pastor, I'm not going to have any fun. You know, I, I'm, I really don't think we need to worry about fun so much because I believe that you can have fun, but I don't think that fun really should keep you out of heaven. If it boils down to that and comes down to that, don't worry so much about that. Worry about eternity. Think about eternity and how long that is. It will never, ever end. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I wonder today if you would make that, take that step and say, yes, I need Jesus. I want him in my heart. I want him in my life. Anybody in this building, just put up your hand and then take it down. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray right now and ask Christ to come into your life, your heart. Say, I want to give him my best and give him my all. If that's you. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone in this building. I pray, oh God, for those that sit by and just are spectators. 
And Lord God, maybe it is that on a regular basis they're just spectators in church. But God, I pray that you would help them to become participators. Help them, Lord, to be in that place where they would step up and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you in my heart. And I need you to move within me in such a way that will give me hope for the future and hope for my life. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that is yet to give their life to Christ, I pray that before they leave this place, they would give their all to you. That Lord, even throughout this day, oh God, they would somehow find a place alone and just ask you to come into their heart and their life. And then Lord, I pray that you would reveal your grace and your mercy to them. Lord, I thank you today for your blessings. Thank you for all that you have done. And God, I'm going to give you all the praise, all the glory in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.